Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. Dr. Amy Harris, an Associate Professor and Graduate Program Director in the Department of Information Systems and Analytics, is also the 2021 recipient of the Greater National Technology Council's Diversity and Inclusion Advocate of the Year Award. Much has been written and said about the way women and minorities are treated in the tech fields, and that's the subject we'll explore with Dr. Amy Harris after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Outlook among Tennessee consumers has plummeted to an all-time low, according to the latest statewide survey by MTSU. The Tennessee Consumer Outlook Index plummeted in September to a score of negative 106, down from plus 20 in June, and also lower than the previous record low score of negative 58 in December of last year. This report from the Office of Consumer Research in the Jennings A. Jones College of Business at MTSU. The top three reasons cited for concerns about the future of the nation and or economy were higher inflation, higher taxes, and more business shutdowns because of COVID-19. And two MTSU Honor Societies are collaborating to spend the love of learning to a variety of locations. Phi Kappa Phi and Omicron Delta Kappa have initiated the Little Free Library program with its first storehouse of books available at the Anne Campbell Early Learning Center found at 206 North Baird Lane. Users are free to borrow or take books as well as make contributions of books to the house-shaped weather-resistant repositories located on the grass at the edge of the parking lot. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Welcome, Amy, and congratulations on your award. Oh, thank you. You won the Champion of the Year Award in 2019, in addition. What, if anything, has changed regarding diversity and inclusion in technology between 2019 and now? The good news is we've always had a tech community committed to DEI efforts, and those have only grown, you know, over the, the past couple of years, I saw a headline, Amazon coming in. They've committed to guaranteeing interviews to minorities going through a, a program with a new local startup called Pivot Tech. Its mission is to, is to get more minorities into the tech field. Um, and I think we're going to continue to see local companies engage in those efforts. Um, there are new organizations popping up across Middle Tennessee. It's not specific to tech, but I'm a member of a new organization called The Table that was founded to make Nashville a premier city uh, for when it comes to DEI efforts. And there's amazing work going on there. And there's amazing work and commitment going on in, in the tech community to do everything that we can to make sure that our tech workforce looks like our, our population as a whole. That all of that is uh, very encouraging. Sometimes when you look at the national picture, it's not quite so encouraging. There was a 2019 report by Wired.com where the numbers for minorities didn't go all the up all that much for Apple, Google, Facebook, and Microsoft since they first released their diversity statistics in 2014, although the numbers of women did increase in those five years. Is tech just reflecting the business world in general, or is there something unique to tech going on? We've got a bigger hill to climb 
because the stereotypes of, of tech as, as a domain of white males, um, that is the narrative that is out there. And we all have to fight that narrative. Part of that is by doing everything that we can to change that. But it's also a long game. I can't, you can't miracle grow a developer. It takes time and training. Um, one thing that I am excited to see is all of the initiatives that are targeting, um, you know, adult minorities and, and females to try to help people who perhaps didn't initially pursue tech as a degree to be able to pivot into that degree. I will say our master's in information systems, we market that very heavily as a pivot degree. I am a perfect example of that. I came through our master's program. Technology kind of came into my life through work and I wound up backdooring into it well after undergrad. The short term, we're seeing the gains we're seeing with those sorts of initiatives aimed at getting more people to major in it in college, but also getting working professionals, giving them on-ramps to be able to pivot into tech. But at the end of the day, if we're really going to see the numbers move, we've got to start with the K-12 pipeline because I, I've been to speak to middle schools and to their coding clubs and can look around the room and see that the girls are already gone by the time you hit middle school. It's a longer game to change that narrative and to inspire little girls and minorities to feel as though they're welcome in that space and that it's something that is accessible to them. Because when something feels inaccessible, you're not going to pursue it. And unfortunately, the stereotypes and the current narrative out there um, can, can make that challenging. What you say is interesting because uh, folks on campus who have been trying to get women more interested in STEM fields say that they start to lose interest around middle school, but you're saying that even in the lower grades, like K through six, for some reason they seem to feel, uh, you know, disenchanted or their initial interest wanes for some reason. It, it, it really starts that early? It starts that early. And, and, you know, let me say, I am not an expert on, on where the fall off in interest is, um, you know, in the K through, in the K through 12 space. I have my anecdotal, you know, experiences of, of being invited to speak to that middle school coding club that's grade five through eight. And there are 30 kids in there and two of them are girls. Um, you know, so it's, it, from experience, it, it feels that way. But there are, you know, there are all sorts of programs out there. I'm I serve as vice president of Women in Technology Tennessee. We have a board director who is dedicated to, to K-12 um, STEM outreach. And she launched an amazing program this summer through WIT called Girls Who Tech. It was a three-day program that was targeted toward um, middle school and high school girls. The, the vision of the, of the three days was to get these girls and inspired and excited and, you know, and thinking about pursuing maybe a career in tech where they hadn't before. You know, I, I will say the other, and this is anecdotal, my personal experience, but I think it's important to engage at, in elementary school. You know, I'm the mom of a seven-year-old boy. And right now, you know, parents at in the elementary school years, parents are driving what kids pursue. I mean, kids have their interests, their, their interests, but like even me, I'm, I'm having him 
sign up for all sorts of different things to experiment, to try to find the things that he really loves. But elementary school is that experimenting age where, you know, you're, you're hoping to find the thing that makes their face light up and that they want to pursue. Um, I think that some of the issue there as it relates to tech is that if you don't have a parent who works in tech and understands the wide variety of jobs that are available under that umbrella, I think one of the challenges that we run into with getting lower elementary school age kids to, to get involved is that parents are also bought into the narrative um, of, you know, there's the stereotype of a coder or a gamer. And if your kid doesn't fit that stereotype that you have in your head and you don't work in tech and you don't understand that there are actually a wide variety of jobs that fall under the tech umbrella and, you know, software development is absolutely one of them. And we need more women and minorities to pursue software development as, you know, as a career, but software development isn't the only career. We need IT business analysts. We need IT project managers. We need data analysts. We need data scientists. There are lots of jobs that sit at the intersection of technology and business and mathematics, and they all fall under the broad definition of tech. I love opportunities like this because if there's one message I can get out to, to, to the adults, it's that, you know, there, there's so much more to tech than what maybe you think there is. And it's worth exploring that for yourself as well as for your children, because we need more people in this field. Tech is a big tent and there's probably a place for you under it. You just might not know that right now. We'll take a break right here. We will be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Dr. Amy Harris is our guest. She's an associate professor and graduate program director in the Department of Information Systems and Analytics and the 2021 recipient of the Greater National Technology Council's Diversity and Inclusion Advocate of the Year Award. There was a people of color tech survey in 2020 that found 16% Black, 16% Asian, 12% Hispanic, 5% Indigenous, and 7% non-white people in the tech field. Does a lack of diversity among tech company executives have anything to do with the demographic makeup of the uh, tech subordinates in the companies? I mean, I think that's an issue that not just tech deals with since so many at the C-suite level um, in, in corporations are, are white males. Um, that's, we've got a diversity problem there across the board, not just specific to tech. Does it have some impact? Probably. 
I think that where you see the greater impact, there was a McKinsey study released uh, a few years ago that talks about where we see, and this is gender, not, not race, but we see, where do we see the drop-off in women moving up the career, the career ladder? And it's actually not, they're not hitting the ceiling up at the executive level. It's really that first promotion into a managerial role is where you see the demographics start to shift. While I do think that what you see on a corporate board or in the in the C-suite, that, that matters when people are trying to make a decision about whether they want to work for a company or whether they can see themselves fitting in in a company. That absolutely matters. I think it's more in those experiences at, at, the, at the lower level while you're still entry level or still junior working your way up to the point that you get to that first, you know, that first opportunity for a management position and whether or not you're given that opportunity or whether or not you choose to pursue that opportunity for, for reasons on the gender side, like wanting to have a family and not feeling like you can simultaneously climb up the ladder while also dealing with small children and everything that comes with that. There are a variety of factors, but I think for most people's experience, the what happens at the junior level is more important and more impactful in decisions about career paths than, than what you see at the executive suite. It's all, it's all in the mix, but I think that's probably more important. Are, are women and minorities who are a student math and science reading stuff on the internet or hearing horror stories and looking at blogs and saying, no, not me, I'm doing something else. Is it the bad rap that is turning them off, regardless of whether what is being said on social media is true or not? I, I think it all matters. It's human nature. You don't want to walk into what's going to be an adversarial situation, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't want to. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm very lucky that that, is, that has never been my experience. You know, I've always been treated with respect, but I, I do think it's intimidating. If you feel like what you're seeing in terms of who works in a space and whether or not you're going to be made to feel welcome in a space. If that looks adversarial, then, uh, I mean, you have to have such a deep passion for the career you're pursuing to be willing to overcome those obstacles. It's, it's a lot to ask of someone. There was a, an organization called Girls Who Code. And uh, in 2019, they did this survey in which women who applied for internships at tech companies said they were asked inappropriate or gender biased questions in job interviews and others said they were dismissed and demeaned. The, you know, the federal laws against this kind of behavior have existed for some time. Why don't the tech executives look them up on the internet and read them? I will say I'm guessing by tech companies that they were talking about women applying for internships in, in Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley has an absolutely horrible reputation. And quite frankly, I think they've earned it for exactly these types of practices. There's a lot to be done to overcome the misogyny of Silicon Valley. Now, one thing that I would say as we as we move away from what's going on in the Valley and look at what's going on in Middle Tennessee, I think one of the reasons why Nashville is an up and coming tech city is because that toxic culture doesn't exist here. I mean, you know, there may be a given a company where um, where that type of behavior exists, but it's certainly not the norm. That's just not welcome 
here or acceptable here. And that's why we have amazing initiatives through the Greater Nashville Technology Council. They have an entire committee dedicated to diversity and inclusion, of which I am a member. They're Women in Technology Tennessee here. We have a membership, 200 Women Strong, and our entire mission is to help inspire women and support women who wish to pursue or are currently in tech roles. There's a brand new organization, um, Blacks in Tech, founded by Lena Winfrey and Holly Rachel, who they themselves are co-founders of Rachel Winfrey Data Consulting. You know, that organization's just been established this year. We've seen Pivot Tech established to help as a, a you know, to educate minorities and help them transition into tech. There's so much great work going on at the local level and so many initiatives dedicated to improving the numbers, but also just saying that that culture isn't acceptable here. And that's one of the things that makes me so proud to do the work I do in the tech community because it, it's, it's a very different, very positive vibe here. You can't create a hostile work environment because you have to meet the demand. You have to fill the jobs with people who are qualified. There are active campaigns to try to recruit. We're trying to grow as many workers as we can from right here in Middle Tennessee. But we're also, I mean, trying to recruit in from other places. We've acknowledged we cannot grow the tech talent here fast enough to meet the demand. So what can we do to make Middle Tennessee as appealing and marketable as possible for people who are considering moving their entire life here? And being a company that shows that it's committed to DEI practices and that you're going to be a welcome environment and that you can bring your whole self to work, that's a huge selling point, you know, to, to prospective employees. So it's a very smart recruiting strategy in general to just make all people feel as though they're going to be able to come to work and bring their best to the table and just be who they are and not have that be an issue in the workplace. Time for another break. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. NTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest NTSU news and information, go to ntsunews.com. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is Dr. Amy Harris. She's an associate professor and graduate program director in the Department of Information Systems and Analytics, and we're talking about diversity and inclusion in the tech fields. What kinds of programs do you think are needed to ensure diversity in the work in the tech workplace with within the companies themselves? One of the things that I see all the, the large, like the really big players do is that they have what are called employee resource groups. ERGs are dedicated to, you know, there might be one for women 
in the organization, one for Blacks in the organization. They don't have to be specific to, to gender or, or uh, race, ethnicity. It can be, you know, there can be a cycling club inside of the company, but, but the really big companies have these ERGs. They allocate dollars and staff to help manage and run those ERGs. And that's one part of their company's diversity and inclusion efforts to create these places where employees can can interact with others who are passionate around these topics and who want to you know want to do what they can to to help propel people to be successful in the organization. Do you see a certain irony here? One of the most innovative progressive industries in terms of thinking outside the box and creating new products is still being accused of being stuck inside the same personnel box that has trapped more traditional industries. I, I don't know that I find it ironic. I find it disappointing. <laughs> you know? I just think there's a lot of work to be done to redefine, to just obliterate the stereotypes that that limit us. You know, it, it's not just limited to tech. I was listening to a radio program where it was kind of the same problem in reverse, talking about the problems associated with with getting men to be interested in pursuing nursing because of gender stereotypes there. And the point that was made, and I had never really thought about it this way, but as we think about tech and we think about the fact that we need workers, when you have these gender stereotypes, regardless of the field, then what that means is if people are buying into the stereotype, if only women feel comfortable pursuing nursing as a career, because of the gender stereotype that nurses are supposed to be women, then that, and, and it's another great example of a field that, that is facing a worker shortage, then well, the fact that 50% of the population looks at a career and views it as being off the table and inaccessible to them because of their gender, that significantly impacts your workforce. You know, so if we are trying to grow the number of people, the professionals in these roles, we've just got to, we have got to just blow up these stereotypes um, because they're, they're harming us in terms of economic development, worker recruitment and retention. You know, it's just, there's, there's just no, there's no value to it. You know, when you look at the, when you look at the research that MTSU and the Greater Nashville Technology Council that we've done in collaboration, um, you know, the study that we released last year and are getting ready to do another, um, another round again this year, I mean, the median pay across the 26 occupations we consider as falling under that tech umbrella was, was in the upper 60s. Um, with a lot of variation among the, the different, with the different occupations, but that's, that's 71% higher than the median income across all occupations in middle Tennessee. Once you get in the door, you're not going to be disappointed with the money you're making. It's just, what can we do to create more equitable opportunities for education so that women and people of color and those from disadvantaged backgrounds have the door open to be able to get in, to make the money and proceed in the career. Toward that end, what's the best thing that college professors and other academics such as you can can do to help further that along? I think just be an advocate, you know, there be encouraging, you know, there's I got an email from one of our master's students who's who's considering pursuing a PhD and she just wants to talk about 
you know, what my experience was, whether I faced um, any issues with gender discrimination going through my program or through work. And, and luckily for me, the answer, the answer has always been no. And we are a very gender diverse faculty in the Department of Information Systems and Analytics. So um, I think that number one, you can, um, you know, women and people of color can be an example just by showing up. Um, but then also there are lots of ways to support uh, something that MTSU does in conjunction with Women in Technology Tennessee is WIT has a collegiate mentoring program. That program um, started with, a, with one university. We, as of last year, had scaled to four. And this upcoming academic year, we're going to scale to six. MTSU is by far the largest university in terms of the number of, of mentees that we have. But just participating, being a faculty member who helps to facilitate programs like that and to help make connections with, with industry and with um, organizations in the bigger community so that, so that they feel comfortable and they do see an example of, okay, there is a place for me here. I can see myself working in this, um, you know, working in this field and just do anything and everything you can to be, to be an advocate. I mean, help your students. MTSU has, a, is, you think about the characteristics of MTSU students. You know, we are, we are more, um, we are more racially diverse than a lot of the private colleges that service the greater Nashville area. Um, our students are working more. A lot of them are first generation college students, like just kind of understanding the demographics of your students and thinking about ways that you can both be an example, but also help build up and provide opportunities um, that the student might not even know exist just based on just based on their background and might not have the advantages built in that that some other students might. Amy, thank you for being a positive force in this area. And thanks for being our guest today on MTSU on the Record. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, WISE advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Nontraditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Stephanie Barrett has the middle moment. MTSU Associate Chemistry Professor Kay Ying Ding recently won two highly competitive federal grants, securing $242,000 in funding for her chemistry research projects centered around sustainability. I recently got two awards, and both of them are centered around sustainability. So for that National Science Foundation Award I recently got, I will study a type of reaction which is called a boron hydrogen reaction. 
through that study, uh, we want to develop a number of new metal catalysts um, to make carbon-carbon bound or carbon-nitrogen bound in a more sustainable way and facilitate the green chemistry applications. So for that um, American Chemical Society Petroleum Research Fund Award I got, I'm going to develop a series of transition metal catalysts to selectively make amide molecules. And amide molecules are prevalent in pharmaceutical medicine. The current industrial method to make amide is not only toxic, but also generating a lot of waste. We're hoping to use our new catalyst to achieve the high atom efficiency and also reduce the cost and the waste. And we only use environmentally benign starting material. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.